I want to make a confession to you. Um, it's of a temptation, but not of an actual sin. Not yet, anyway. Uh, and the temptation has been reoccurring for about 32 years. Okay, I started here 32 years ago. And so 32 years ago, I drove out to Alan and Sharon Rose's house. And um, that's when I remember this temptation happening. Now, they're really nervous now. So if you take a left out of the church driveway, okay, that's Highway 142. If you take Highway 142, you're going to cross over Highway 11 like you're going into Newburn. And then you're going to go, I don't know how many miles, but you're going to come to a very small bridge on Highway uh, 142. I mean, very small. It just crosses the tip of a pond right before you get into Newburn. Okay. 32 years ago, Tracy and I were driving out to Alan and Sharon's house, and I made the comment to Tracy, I'm going to come back and fish off this bridge. And she said, you can't do that. She said, that's not your pond, and that's not your fish. She said, that's stealing. And I'm thinking, that never occurred to me. I know, I'm pretty sure growing up I saw people do it. And I know, pretty sure I probably did it as a teenager. But I want to tell you something, I, and I'm not exaggerating. Every time I ride over that bridge, I rode over it this past Thursday. For the last 32 years, I have kids that live in Newburn now. Every time this past Thursday, I think about that 10-pounder. That's underneath that bridge up against the bank every time. Now, some of you are going, Scott, I get it. I'm there with you. I understand. I've actually fished that bridge. Shame on you if you have. Some of you are going, that's a temptation? <laughs> I got a temptation for it. I'm not saying that's my only temptation, but that is one that I have. But I want you to know I've turned from evil. I've turned from evil. There's a great disjustice done to Christianity, and there's a, a great injustice done to Christianity and, the, and to the testimony of Jesus and, and to the testimony of the church and, and really to, to non-Christians everywhere when they only see us turn from evil. It seemed like, um, and, and again, I've, I've, I've only been alive since 1968, but it seems like in my lifetime there have been seasons where uh, the churches are involved in. It was all about don't do wrong, don't do wrong. And listen, as believers, we're called to live righteous lives. I, I agree. But there was something missing with that message. With just be good. Don't do wrong but be good. And it's weakened the message of the church. And so today we're, we're going to wrap up Psalm 37. This is your first time here. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And you can, you can go back and, and online and, and see the messages leading up to today's message. But we're wrapping up, wrapping up Psalm 37. And again, I'll just say it one more time. This is King David. This is an older King David. This is a King David that is seasoned. This is a King David that, that knows life. And he's walked with God now all these years. And he's getting ready to succeed uh, the, the kingdom to his son, Solomon. And so he's, he's written this... 
And, and again, I have not been able to tell you everything about it, but he's written it in such a way that Solomon would memorize all 40 verses of this, and that each verse began with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet just to help him memorize this. So it's not suggestions to Solomon. No, he wants him to take this to heart. And in doing so, listen, every bit of Scripture, and God wants us to take to heart. And so now he's wrapping it up. And one thing we've seen throughout this um, psalm, we've just seen the, the contrast between the way the wicked behave and the way the, the godly behave. We, we see this contrast between how God treats the wicked and then how he treats the godly. Now listen to these words. He says, turn from evil and, and. He says, turn from evil and do good. Not, not be good. He says, hey, turn from evil and, and do something. Turn, turn from evil and, and not just anything, but hey, turn from evil and do good. And then he says, and you'll live in the land forever. And we know what that means for us. We know that that was covenant language for, for all those who originally read this. But we know for us that one day we'll live with Christ forever. So yes, turn from evil. Yes, turn from evil. Listen, our world is saturated with it. We don't even have to leave the house. The, the world is coming to our house. We had to turn from evil, but don't stop there. But do good. Don't just teach our students and our, and our kids to turn from evil, but we, we tell them to turn from evil and, and do good. It, it's more than just don't. It is don't and do. Don't do evil. But do good. And the next verse says this. For the Lord loves justice. And the, the Lord loves justice. Justice. Not, not fairness. Not, you know, we think of justice. We think, oh, I just want justice. I want, I want, right, I want the, what's fair and right to happen. He's not talking about that type of justice. He's not talking about fairness and, and righteousness. He's talking about justice. The the welfare of others. He's talking about love, justice. Be, be concerned and do good for the welfare of others. This entails treating people equally, regardless of race, regardless of politics, regardless of sex, regardless of any kind of ideological belief that, that is different from mine and yours. It's, it's treating people equally. It means caring for the rights and, and needs of the poor, regardless of how they got there. It means taking care of the needs and rights and protecting the rights of the orphan, of the widowed, of those imprisoned, of those in bondage to the things of, of this world. Don't do evil. Turn from evil and do good for the Lord loves justice. And too often, we, me, I, all of us, too often we think about these types of ministry or these types of actions as optional. We think that, you know, it's okay others do that. I'm so glad. I'm glad others do that. And we should be glad others do that. But in the past, 
this turning from evil and doing good and looking out for the welfare of others, this was an essential characteristic of the church. Man, hospitals were formed. History tells us that hospitals were formed not by just do-gooders, but by the characteristics, this caring characteristic of church of the early Christians back in like the 1800s. It was because of their stewardship and their care for the welfare of others that hospitals even began. So while we can't all do the same acts of goodness, man, we can all do some acts of goodness. We can't all do the same. I'm not wired like you. And you're not wired like me. We can all turn from evil. But man, we're all called to do some act of goodness. Again, this is regardless of your past, regardless of your present, your economic standing, or your education. Man, we're all created to do good works. We were created in advance. If you look at Ephesians, it says we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Like long ago, before you and I were even thought about And God had prepared good works for you and I to do. One thing I love about Eastridge, it has a history of men and women and students uh, who do good works. Serving in the church. Now, this message is not about that, but I'm going to be honest with you. We we have phenomenal greeters. If you're you're a greeter, raise your hand if you greet here at Eastridge. I see some here. I see some there. I love our greeter ministry. I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite ministry. But right now, because I'm preaching, it is. Okay? I love, well, we're not just saying hello, welcome to Eastridge. Man, we're welcoming people that have been out in the world all week. And you know what we're saying to them? Hey, you come in here. Man, you are welcome here. Hey, you belong here. Man, that is what we do. Man, we got other ministries. We got women's ministry. We got the uh, growth groups, celebrate recovery, student ministry. And all those things that is helping people walk out of the world. And into their identity, who is Christ Jesus. And it's not a duty. It's not a have to. Man, it is a get to. It is what we're called to do. It is a calling. So that's those ministries I just mentioned. Those are what I call the organized ministries of the church. I, I want to invite Guy and, and Beth Crowley up because uh, now you probably have seen Guy and Beth. I know, Beth, you've done growth groups. And Guy, you used to sing, and I believe you're, you're coming back to singing, right? I asked you in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, no, Scott uh, England told me that. So anyway, but I've asked um, Beth and Guy if they would to come up because... I want to share with you and let them share with you how God has uh, called them to do good in a way that um, he's wired you for and surprised you by, maybe. So um, so um, Beth and, and Guy started fostering uh, years ago, and, um, and I'll let you tell us how, go ahead and tell us how you got into that, first of all. Go ahead and tell us how you got into fostering. Actually started um, about two years ago, uh, two years prior to children coming into our home. We had heard about um, in the news and reading, and I'll be very discreet with this, but just some of the horrific circumstances that children were being um, taken through. And it just caused our hearts to ache. And I didn't know what our participation would be, but we're God's kids. <laughs> and so 
we started praying, Lord, what would you have us do? I mean, I don't even know how to connect things together, but, but we're here, we're old, but we're here, and um, a little bit grumpy and <laughs> uh, structured, but we're here, Lord, whatever you would have us do. And then Guy was singing one morning, and so he was at the early service. I came to the later service, and he met me in the lobby, and he said, honey, I want you to really listen in church today. And I said, I always listen in church. I love church. <laughs> he said, you know what I mean. I said, I do. And so we sat through the second service, and there was a representative of Uniting Hope for Children, which is a um, private Christian foster adoptive agency in Loganville. And when the gentleman spoke and told us some of the uh, statistics, I was floored because I had, I had been in the church so much of my life, and I had never heard that there were 15,000 children in Georgia foster care. Um, and there were 25,000 churches. And that made me really sad. Let me, let me say this. You know, you're doing, you're doing great. Um, so she, I didn't say it, but you said it. Y'all are older. Okay. Older, not old, just older. Okay. So here's what I know. Um, like y'all are, y'all were empty nesters, right? Correct. Almost. Almost. They were, they, were, they were on their way out. They were. They didn't know it or not, but they were on their <laughs> way out. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. We had downsized our home. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, so you're almost empty nesters. Um, we live in this culture of convenience and, and comfort. And y'all decided to start over. Now, here's what you need to know, you know, because, you know, most of you know that Tracy and I have been involved with foster care. Um, most foster parents, they don't want uh, a sibling group. They, they, you know, unless it, you know, it gets too big, they, they don't want it. And they want babies or under five, typically. So talk about your story and um, where you are now. Uh, I think all the things that Beth just said. It, it was such a thing in our hearts. I mean, the Lord was clearly, clearly working. And um, I guess the Lord prepares us for what he's going to do because we didn't want just one. And we didn't want just, you know, we didn't want a baby. And of course, the, the age thing's a factor there. I don't want to be 112, you know, and have <laughs> graduating from high schools like this was my dad. Well, he's still here, you know. Um, so it, our hearts were prepared in that direction. So we thought, well, maybe we'll, maybe the Lord will bless us with, with a couple of kids. And, you know, we can, it's just really not hard to do that. And um, so God is a God of abundance. So we have four that he sent to us. And the most wonderful kids in the world. So tell their ages. When you got them and what, what their ages are uh, now. When we got them, um, 11 down to three. And... Uh, uh, currently, okay, just real quick. So I'm gonna get real personal now. How old are y'all actually? Um, I'm 63, and I'm 60. You look 63, but anyway, sure, right, <laughs> right. Um, I'm not the shocker here. But <laughs> but the reason I think that's important. How many people told you you were crazy? Did anybody tell you you were crazy? Uh, they did. Yeah. We were pretty surprised at some of the uh, responses. We started close in, and then we went out into our people group. Um, my father was amazing. He looked at me and he said, honey, if God's telling you to do it, you need to do it. 
um, we did not get that kind of support. We were surprised at some of the responses. Um, so I don't know if you want me to go into those. You can, you can. Leave those alone. Um, <laughs> Just don't, on don't the, fight on up here, okay? Yeah. People have their ideas yes. about what, what, people had their ideas about what we were supposed to do at certain ages. And um, we kind of cut against their ideas. Yeah. We, um, some that we were crazy financially, it wasn't, you know, what's going to happen financially, um, that we were too old. How old are you going to be when they're 18? And then I started to calculate. I didn't really think about that. But that's something that we've asked the Lord for. Um, really, I mean, you can laughingly say, but really and truly on Psalm 103, he, he renews your youth. We bless the Lord. And so we're, we're asking for that. Um, because we would. They have the, they've threatened their dad that they want him to walk them down the aisle. We would like to be grandparents to their children as well. So we've asked the Lord for those things. But um, some people have come back and apologized. We did have an overwhelming support from our church family. And we have very dear friends who have adopted as well. They adopted three. And when sometimes when times got a little bit dicey, our friend would remind us, you are available. And so that's really all we could say is, God, we're available here. Everything, as a follower of Christ, as his kids, everything we have is from the Lord. We steward it. He gives it to us, our children, our stuff, to steward. But everything we have is his. That means our home. That means my hair rollers, my clothes, my shoes, <laughs> with, with my children. And um, we steward it, but God's given it all for us mm -hmm. to share. So, you know, you go into something thinking this will be the blessing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see how the Lord blesses you in other ways. And, and listen, not that it's not hard at times, too. I'm, I'm not denying that. But And so I'm not trying to paint a picture that whenever you do good for the Lord, whether it's fostering or anything, it's always pleasant. What are some of the unexpected blessings that you've seen? Can I show you? There was a lady that I knew. Uh, I was a teacher years ago, and they were a family unit that had biological children, and then when they were grown, they had fostered and adopted a children's group. I'm not on social media, so I have no connection with this woman from my past, and I often just would love to have talked with her and had no way of, of getting in touch with her. And one day I was shopping and I walked face to face right in front of her and the Lord, that was a gift from the Lord to me. And we quickly caught up. I heard about her life and now she was grandmother to these adoptive uh, children's babies. And she looked at me, she gave me advice. She gave me encouragement just at the right time. That's the blessing of the Lord to yeah, me. Yeah. There's something about doing what the Lord asks you to do. He asks us to do things, and then he helps us to walk through the process. And um, I'm completely changed in so many ways. And when I look back, it's like, okay, that's not the way I would have chosen for those changes in my personal life to have occurred. But I'm glad for the change. And um, uh, the children God has put in our home are a blessing in themselves uh, to get to know them and to see what God has done in their lives. And to just watch his hand and his care and his provision 
over them, everything from the internal things you're talking about to the physical things that, that are needed, his supply over them. We just stood back and gone, oh my goodness, that was such a need and that was, it was huge and, and now it's provided for. It's, it's amazing. To, uh, it's so encouraging in every other area to see the blessings of the Lord over them. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything else you would like to say? I'm giving you an open mic for 30 seconds. Okay. No. <laughs> One thing we didn't know, um, well, let me back up. It's such an overwhelming issue right now. Uh, I love a quote that Mother Teresa gave. She said, if you can't feed a thousand people, feed one. Make a difference in one life. Whatever the Lord would lead you to do, pray about it. Ask him. And uh, the state of Georgia provides counselors for the children, I didn't know this, as they're going through foster care. And we had a a sweet, sweet girl, and she came to the house, praise God, and um, would meet with them. And I thought they stayed with them forever. And um, I thought they stayed with the girls until they were 18. And she said, okay, Beth, we need to talk about discharge. I said, wait, wait, what? Aren't you going to stay here? She said, well, I'm here if you need me. But what children need is love, support, and hope. And they have that here in this home. And we want our home to be that incubator, not we make so many mistakes, fallen people, broken people, helping broken people. But God is there. And I would add to love, support, and hope. They need someone to advocate for them. But that means praying for them every day. A mama that they know, mama's praying every day for me. When you tuck that baby in at night, that one is safe. Every child should have that feeling. Every child. I think there's a critical responsibility for Christians now with some of the changes that are happening in our nation. Um, there are different, there are options out there that are different. And Christianity, remember, we're, our progenitors spiritually were people who at the risk of their lives hid under the Roman bridges when the pagans threw their babies off as a sacrifice and pulled those babies out of the water and raised them as their own. That's our spiritual heritage. And that continues. I've been so proud of Christians to hear the story about how God touched their heart and how they stepped into a world that was in many ways unknown, but they knew who was leading them. And, um, and then they watched his hand. Uh, that's our heritage, and we continue that. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Will you give them a hand? Yeah, just thank them for what they're doing. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, guys. No, you should do it. Thank you. Thank you. So we all can't do the same action, but we can all take action somehow. We all can turn from evil. And we can all do good. I know if you want to talk more to to Beth and Guy, they would love to talk to you. But I know this. I love what they said. There's something maybe God's putting on your heart that you need to pray about and then seek further counsel on. But I always want to say this. Man, there's always blessing and joy on the other side of obedience. Always. Doesn't mean there's not hardship. Doesn't mean there's not long nights. Doesn't mean there's not tears and, and, and attacks and all those things criticism 
Now, when you follow the Lord, there's always blessing on the other side. The godly take care of others. That's what the godly do. The godly take care of others. And we don't just reject evil, but we, we do good. But life is hard. Man, when you're reading through that psalm, you, you start to pick up here at the end about the hardships Christians will face. Some of you have followed God and you've been made fun of. Some of you have followed God and you've been ostracized. Some of you have followed God and maybe you've lost family. It's not easy following Jesus. It's worth it. But it's not always easy. Misunderstood, made fun of, rejected. I know a believer I talked to this week, he's isolated at work. Isolated maybe even at home. We have a young man who was baptized several years ago into Christ and his family kicked him out of the house. But the godly take care of others. But here's what the godly can count on. God takes care of the godly. Church, understand this, man. When you, when you take care of others, God takes care of you. And I'll say it again. Following Jesus is not always easy, but it is worth it. Now, l- listen to this contrast as we, we read out the, the rest of Psalm 37. I'll go back and, and catch this verse. For the Lord loves justice. And he will never abandon the godly. I want you to understand this. God will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. But the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and live there forever. We know for us that means eternity with Christ. And the godly can offer good counsel. And they can teach right from wrong. Because they have made God's law their own, so they'll never slip from his path. Now listen to this turn in the psalm. He describes the attacks of the wicked and the various troubles that we, his people, face in life. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. You're thinking, well, that just sounds so yesterday. I'm, I'm telling you, I saw this happen when I was in India. They would find out where a baptism was taking place and people would come and wait for them and persecute them, if not kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed or let the godly be condemned when they're put on trial. Our faith is in Christ, but you know what else? Our victory is in Christ. Our life is not just here on earth. I mean, we have a life of eternity to come in heaven where we live victoriously. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. David says, I've seen wicked and and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good. For a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. And here's how he lands this letter to his son. 
And here's how it ends with us. The Lord rescues the godly. You, you may feel like you're, you're, you're in trouble. You may feel like you're, you're in a hard place. You, you have sought the Lord. You, you have followed him. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them. Rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them. And they find shelter in him. So... As we do good, there will be times of trouble. As you turn from evil and do good, man, there's going to be hard times. And as we walk on this earth, it's going to be hard. But one day, one day, the Lord will rescue us. And whether we're being attacked from within or from without, we know that he'll rescue us. He is our shelter. And whether your troubles are financial or medical or relational the Lord will care for us because the Lord takes care of the godly he is our fortress in times of trouble for God and Beth for you God and Beth have a story to tell and one day you will have a story to tell if you don't already and right now it may seem hard and it may seem fearful and it may seem dark and you're just trying to hang on. He's hanging on to you. You're afraid you're going to let go. You might. But he's hanging on to you. And one day soon, maybe even in the storm, you're going to have a story to tell. And about God's leading and about God's faithfulness about God's goodness. So as we turn from evil and we do good and we take care of others, we trust that God is going to take care of us to, to comfort us, to console us, to, to care for us. And one day he's going to deliver us from, from all this heartache, from all this worldly problems. So as we sing uh, this next song, some of you maybe just need to let the Lord minister to you. Maybe you just need to, to listen to the words for a moment and let him um, just speak to you. Some of you, you, you need to just stand and, and sing. Some of you may want to come forward and and just seek the Lord in, in prayer. Or maybe you want to be prayed for. Let the Lord minister to you. And let me say this. Maybe somebody around you needs to be cared for. Maybe you can reach over and, and pray for them. Father God, the life you've called us to is abundant. But Lord, it's in a hard place. And Father, we, we want to not just turn from evil, but we want to do good. And so Lord, we're going to take care of the godly. And we're going to trust you to take care of us. So Father, now we just come. And Father, we trust you. We trust you 
when we can't trust things around us. We trust you. I'm going to stand.